We are still in our series in the book of Ecclesiastes. This is a record for me. This is part seven. I've never gone to part seven in a series before. But we are in our Ecclesiastes series. It is called The Worst Sermon Ever. We've been talking about this for seven weeks. But the full title is What We Can Learn From The Worst Sermon Ever, a study in the book of Ecclesiastes. We've talked about lots of different things that the teacher of Ecclesiastes has talked about. Uh, he's talked about relationships. He's talked about uh, work and pleasure and meaning and wisdom, all that stuff. But last week he got really specific and he started talking about money. He started talking about your money and how you should think about your money. And last week we uh, concluded with two questions that... Uh, come from the text. And the two questions as it relates to wealth and money was, what good is wealth? And is my money under the sun? Or where is my money? What good is wealth? And this question was not rhetorical. It wasn't like, just think about that. No, he wants you to answer that question. What good is wealth? Or what purpose or role does wealth have in your life? And maybe you don't have wealth right now, but you're hoping to one day, when you get there, what purpose is wealth or money going to serve in your life? And we learned and we talked about last week how the way you answer this question will determine how you view and your relationship with something as powerful, with something as dangerous as money and wealth. The other question was, is my money under the sun? Or where is my money? Do I manage my money in a spiritual way or in an earthly, worldly kind of way? And so we're going to move to the end of Ecclesiastes chapter 5. We're going to get 18, 19, and 20, where he answers the question, these two questions. What good is wealth? And where's my money? Is my money under the sun? That's kind of the goal for today. Let's pray and let's get into today's talk. Father in heaven, I thank you, God, for each person here, each person watching online. I pray, God, that you'd be with us. Lord, open our minds, draw us into your presence, God, and speak to us in the ways we need to be spoken to. Challenge us. Get in our faces today and help us to hear your voice. In your name we pray. Amen. I want to begin by just reading these verses, Ecclesiastes chapter 5, 18, 19, and 20. This is our focus for today. This is what I have observed to be good. So he just talked about a lot of bad stuff. This is what I have observed to be good. That it is appropriate for a person to eat, drink, and to find satisfaction in their toilsome labor under the sun during the few days of life God has given them. For this is their lot. Moreover, when God gives someone wealth and possessions and the ability to enjoy them, to accept their lot and be happy in their toil, this is a gift from God. They seldom reflect on the days of their life because God keeps them occupied with gladness of heart. Uh, some people have shared with me that this verse is their favorite verse in the book of Ecclesiastes. And the reason why is obvious because the first thing he says in this verse is, enjoy your life. It's like, finally, finally, there's some good news, right? He even starts by saying, I've discovered something that is good. Just enjoy life. So people tell me, they're like, man, when are you going to get to my favorite verse? When are you going to get to that verse that tells me to eat, drink, and be merry? Like, I can't wait for that because so far it's been a lot of negativity. It's been a lot of like in-my-face challenges. It's a lot about questioning how I've been acting lately. When are we going to get to the nice, positive, kind stuff where it's like eat, drink, and be merry. And we're here. And it, what's hilarious is the people who ask me that, it's like totally the people that would ask me that, you know? The party animals, the fun lovers, the ones like, woohoo, 
know, right? They live life like that. They love to plan parties and have people like, when are we going to get to that? And here we are. But we have to ask a very important question. He says, yes, eat, drink. We'll talk about, you can figure out what he means by drink. Drink what? I don't know, right? But he says, eat, drink, and enjoy your labor. Enjoy life. Just enjoy things, right? The question that we have to ask when it comes to this verse is, is Ecclesiastes 5, 18 to 20 under the sun? Is it? Is this teaching where he says, eat, drink, and be merry, enjoy life, is it under the sun or is it above the sun, which is a phrase we've been using? Is it a earthly, worldly thing? Is it an earthly, worldly teaching where I'm supposed to just enjoy my life and just like not worry and just like enjoy the moment, live in the moment, all that stuff? Or is it a spiritual thing? The, the way we answer this question changes completely what the teacher says here. Is Ecclesiastes chapter 5, 18 to 20, is it under the sun. If it is under the sun, then that means it is not prescriptive, meaning it's not something he's telling you to do. We can't do that because remember, under the sun means life separate from God. So if his teaching is like, okay, if we want to live life separate from God, just enjoy life and have fun. If that's what he's saying, it's not something for us to follow because we as a church, we as believers in this time, we're not trying to live life separate from God, are we? We're trying to live more integrated life. We're trying to live lives centered around God. So if the answer to this question is yes, it is under the sun, sorry. It's not something that we can follow, something that we can apply to our lives. But if the answer is no, it is not under the sun, then yeah, we can totally do this. We can just enjoy life. We can just enjoy the things in our lives and have fun and, and all that stuff. But if, you're, if we're honest, isn't there a part of you when you hear that, you're like, that doesn't sound right. Like, we can't just enjoy life. Like, there's a lot of stuff we have to worry about. There's a lot of problems and pain. Like, we can't just be blind to it. We, gotta, we can't just enjoy life, right? Like, isn't being faithful to God about surrender and sacrifice and I have to, like, give up stuff and I have to go places I don't want to go? I can't just enjoy life. That's not the Christian life, or at least the one that I've been taught or the one I grew up with. But then the other part of you is like, but, but why not? Why wouldn't God want me to enjoy life? Why wouldn't he want me to enjoy his creation and the blessings? So we got to answer this question. Is Ecclesiastes 5, 18 through 20, is it under the sun? Think about it. Think about it in your mind. I want, I'm, I'm not going to do a poll, but I just want to just think about it. Is it yes or no? Is it under the sun? And in a moment, I'm going to tell you the answer. Ecclesiastes 5, 18. Yes, it is under the sun. Boo. Sorry about that, guys. Sorry. I'm like, it's a total, like, killjoy party pooper moment, right? Like, oh, I thought I was going to be able to just enjoy life. But the truth is, is yes, Ecclesiastes 5.18, eat, drink, and be merry in this context, it's under the sun. It's written in a way separate from God. How many of you guys knew that, yeah, it was under the sun? Okay, a few of you guys. Okay, let me tell you guys a couple of the reasons why we can believe that this is under the sun. The rest of you guys were like... Dang it. <laughs> the first thing we have to understand is look at the context. Everything in chapter 5 has been under the sun. Everything 
that he's talked about so far, it's all under the sun. He began chapter 5 by talking about how we go to worship in a way that is earthly and worldly. Like we go to God without listening. We just want to tell him stuff and we just want to treat him like other people. That's under the sun. Then he talks about how there's oppression under the sun. Don't be surprised if there's oppression. Then he talks about money and how money is dangerous and it can hurt you and it can harm you and you have to be careful because he's talking about people using their money, managing their money in a way that is under the sun. So the context is this whole chapter is all about life separate from God and what he's observed. So it wouldn't make sense that all of a sudden he's talking about spiritual life, you know, life in the kingdom of God. He's going in the same lines of life under the sun. So context tells us that, yeah, this is not really for the believer who's trying to integrate God into their life and follow Jesus more. Like, this is not really what it's about. Then there are some textual clues. For example, one of the things he says is, during the few days life of life God has given them. So in the text, he says, like, you should do this during the few days of life God has given them. That's a textual clue telling you that he's not talking about eternity. He's not talking about spiritual life. He's not talking about life in the kingdom of God. He's talking about you got a few days. You're going to die, so you might as well enjoy life. This is under the sun kind of language. But there's another clue that's a little bit harder to, to see. It's a little bit harder to point out. You kind of have to know the intricacies of Scripture. you got to look into some commentaries to understand and, and point out this clue and how we can know that he's talking about life under the sun. It's because it says under the sun. It says that in the text. Did you guys notice that? Here's a text. I kind of read it fast, hoping that you wouldn't catch it. But this was, this is what I have observed to be good, that it is appropriate for a person to eat, to drink, and to find satisfaction in their toilsome labor under the sun. During the few days of life, God has given them, for this is their lot. So, sorry, the Bible is not teaching that you should just eat, drink, and be merry, just have a hedonistic lifestyle, just, just focus on pleasure and feeling good and just being happy. And, and part of you guys, you knew that. You knew that. But here's the good news. Just because it says here, and this context and this teaching is about life under the sun, this does not mean that God does not want this for you. In this section, it's life under the sun. It's not meant for you and me who wants to integrate God into our lives, but God still wants this for you. Because in Deuteronomy chapter 12, he says something very similar. And this is all over the sun language. This is all in a context of over the sun. Deuteronomy chapter 12, verse 7. There, in the presence of the Lord your God, you, sh you and your family shall eat and shall rejoice in everything you have put your hand to because the Lord, your God, has blessed you. So in Deuteronomy 12, verse 7, he says, God says, you can do this. But in Ecclesiastes, he says, you can do this, but that's really like an earthly, worldly kind of lifestyle. So how do we understand these two different ideas? And what's really interesting is that Deuteronomy chapter 12, this little section, 6 and 7, is almost like a weird parallel to Ecclesiastes chapter 5. And, and I, I, don't, I don't know why, but there's this, this connection between 6 and 7 in Ecclesiastes chapter 5. For example, look at this, the verse before in Deuteronomy chapter 12, verse 6. There, bring your burnt offerings and sacrifices, your tithes and special gifts, what you have vowed to give, your, uh, give and your free will offerings, and the firstborn of your herds and flocks. Then he says, there, in the presence of the Lord your God, you and your family shall eat and shall rejoice in everything you have put your hand to because the Lord your God has blessed you. 
Ecclesiastes 5 starts with, if you guys remember from a couple sermons ago, it starts with how do we come to worship? How do we approach God when we come to the house of God? And that's what he talked about in verse 6. He says, when you come, bring your burnt offerings and sacrifices. It's talking about how you are to approach God when you come. Then he talks about tithes and special gifts, which is about money and wealth and how you're supposed to deal with your money and wealth and you bring it to the Lord. And then at the very end of that is verse 7, where essentially is this more righteous version of eat, drink, and be merry. It's this cool parallel between five, Ecclesiastes 5 and Deuteronomy 12. And we look at this and we think about this. The difference is between Ecclesiastes 5 and Deuteronomy 12 is the reason. It is the motivation. It is the mindset and the heart of why we are eating and drinking and being merry. The action is the same. What you see in the person is the same. They're having a good time. They're enjoying life. They're singing and dancing, having a really, really good time. But the reason why they do it is completely different. Because in Ecclesiastes chapter 5, the reason why you should eat, drink, and be merry is because life is short. You're going to die really soon. You don't even know. You might die tomorrow. So you might as well just eat, drink, and be merry. Have fun. Have a good time. Just enjoy life. Because who knows when it's going to end. Just enjoy life. Which is kind of the sentiment that a lot of people had. Deuteronomy 12, though, the reason and the motivation for why we eat, drink, and be merry is completely different. In Ecclesiastes 5, it's life is short. In Deuteronomy 12, we do it because the Lord your God has blessed you. So the question that we have to answer is, what is the difference between eating and drinking and being merry, enjoying life because life is short, and enjoying life because God, I acknowledge that God has blessed me? What's the difference there, and why is that difference important? I didn't know this, um, but that phrase, eat, drink, and be merry, it's actually in the Bible. I actually didn't know that. I thought it was like Shakespeare or something. Because that to, for the first long time, I was like, that can't be in the Bible. Because no one ever taught me that. It was never about eat, drink, and be merry. But it's actually in the Bible. And that's where it really comes from. But the full phrase is eat, drink, and be merry. Do you guys know the next part? For tomorrow we die. Eat, drink, and be merry. For tomorrow we die. But what you guys got to understand is whenever the Bible says eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die, it's never teaching you to do that. It's always warning you against that. So you can't be like, well, the Bible says to do it. No, it doesn't. It talks about people who do it, and it's like, don't do that. Don't do that. Here's a couple examples. Isaiah chapter 22, verse 13, it says, But instead, joy and gladness, slaying oxen and killing sheep, eating meat and drinking wine, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Yeah. But look at the verse before. Look at what God says to them right before. And in that day, the Lord God of hosts called for weeping and for mourning, for baldness and for girding with sackcloth. But instead... Joy and gladness, slaying oxen, killing sheep, eating meat and drinking wine. Let us eat and drink for tomorrow we die. This is not a teaching of you should live like this. This is a teaching about how we use pleasure and enjoying life as a way to distract us and blind us from truth, from reality. Because I don't want to face reality, I'm just going to live like this. Because it's too hard to face reality. Because I need to escape from the harshness of life and the challenges I'm facing. I'm just going to forget about that. I'm just going to do whatever I want that makes me feel good and makes me happy. This is not about how we should live. This is about how we should not 
live. We should not live trying to escape the reality of life. We should not live trying to, to escape the harshness and challenges that we're facing. In 1 Corinthians 15 in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul says it. But listen to how he talks about it. He says, if in the manner of men I have fought with beasts at Ephesus. He's talking about how he had a really hard time at Ephesus and everyone was in his face and against him. What advantage is it to me if the dead do not rise, let us eat and drink for tomorrow we die. Again, he's not saying you should do this. He's saying if you don't believe in the resurrection of Jesus, yeah, I guess you might as well eat, drink for tomorrow you die. What he's describing here is not a good way of life. He's describing a faithless way of life. If you don't have faith, if you don't have faith in God, if you don't have faith that one day Jesus is going to come back and resurrect us and, and bring us to a new life, if you don't have that faith, yeah, go for it. Go eat, drink, be merry, do whatever you want because life is short and that does make sense. But if you have faith, if you believe that Jesus will come back, if you believe in the resurrection of the dead, this is not the way we are called to live. Finally, Jesus even talks about it in Luke chapter 12. He, 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 he mentions this, this sense of eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die. Let me, let me read a few verses about when Jesus taught this. He says, then he said to them, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in abundance of possessions. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. I got way too much stuff. I got way too much money. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And then I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. This is, let's be honest, your dream in life. Let's be honest, right? Some of you guys, this is why you live. Right? And there's no shame, no condemnation, no judgment, right? This is, what, this is the life you want to have. You want to have, you want the problem of having to build bigger barns so you can store all your stuff. You like that. You want that. You, you, you like the idea of having so much that you can just relax. You don't want to just relax. You want to relax because you have so much. This is how most people want to live. We store and we gather and we save. Why? So we can store and gather and save. We can be happy and feel secure because we have so much stored up. This is the way so many of us live. But I want you to pay attention to Jesus' words right after this. After we acknowledge, maybe not all of you, but after many of us acknowledge, yeah, this is actually my dream life. Listen to Jesus' words in verse 20. But God said to him, you fool. This very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? What Jesus teaches here is the exact opposite of eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die. Because he says in this parable, the guy is going to die tomorrow. But the question he poses, with the reality that you are dying tomorrow, it is a wasteful life to live life hoarding. It's all pointless. Do not, because you could die tomorrow, don't waste your life hoarding and gathering and saving all this stuff just so you can have all the stuff. And he asked this question, who will get what you have prepared for yourself? 
For Jesus, a life like this where you're hoarding and building bigger barns just to have it, to feel good and secure just because you have things, he's saying that is foolishness. That is foolishness. So as you can see from these three texts, the Bible doesn't tell you to eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow you die. And every time he talks about it, every time the different writers talk about it, it's always spoken of in a way that we should avoid. But the truth is, Deuteronomy 12 says it in different language, in kind of more like spiritual righteous language. But Deuteronomy 12 says to eat, drink, and be merry. Like enjoy your life. Enjoy the toil of your work. Have, find satisfaction in all the things you do. But the question is, is what is the difference? What is the difference between what is taught in all these other verses? What is the difference between for tomorrow we die and the Lord has blessed you. What is the difference? And as I thought about this, I began to realize that the difference is where it all comes from. Is where the philosophy, this way of life, what this way of life is built on, based on, and centered around. That's the difference. See, eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow you die. What is that built on, based on, and centered around? And the reason why this is an important question is because whatever your way of life is built on, based on, and centered around, that's what your entire life is going to be built on, based on, and centered around. So with this idea, this philosophy of eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die, what is it all about? What is it based on? That way of life, eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die, what it is built on, based on, and centered around is dread, fear, and self. The reason why we want to eat, drink, and be merry is because we dread the reality of life. Because we dread what's going to happen tomorrow. Because we're afraid of the, 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 what's going to happen. We're afraid of the consequences. We're afraid that if I do this, my life will end up being like this. And what I'm doing right now is going to lead me to the place. So I'm just going to ignore it. And I'm just going to eat, drink, and be merry. And ultimately, what is built on, based on, sent around is self. It's what I want and what I don't want, and what I want to get, and what I want to achieve, and how I want to feel. But when, the, when, 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 the, when they talk about eating and drinking and being married because the Lord has blessed you, what is that built on? What is that based on? What is that centered around? That philosophy, that way of life is built on gratefulness, faith, and worship. Eat, drink, and be merry because the Lord has blessed me. I am eating and enjoying my food. I am drinking and enjoying my drink. I am enjoying my work because I know that God has blessed me. Not because I'm afraid of tomorrow, but because I am so grateful for today. So I'm grateful for the moment that I have because of my family, because of my friends, because of my community, because of the experiences, because of the work. Maybe it's not the best work, but sometimes, like, it's just great. I just, I'm just so appreciative because God has blessed me. That's why I eat, drink, and am merry. Because I'm grateful. Because I have faith and hope. That's why I eat, drink. That's why I enjoy life. Because I have faith and hope. And because I recognize God's faithfulness and God's goodness in my life. That's why I enjoy life. So the question I have to ask you is, what do you want your life to be built on, based on, and centered around? Dread, fear, and selfishness? Or gratefulness, faith, and worship? 
The action may be the same. It may look the same on the outside. You're just enjoying life. But why are you enjoying life? You, God wants you to enjoy life. He wants you to enjoy all the blessings. He wants that, that food you eat to be extra delicious. He wants you to have lots of fun and he wants you to have good things in your life. He wants you to have a sense of meaning in your life. But he doesn't want you to have it because you're afraid of tomorrow. Because you're blind to tomorrow. Because you're trying to escape the harsh realities and the truth of your life. He wants you to have all that because you are grateful and because you have faith. And because you have hope, even though things may not be going really, right, really well right now, you have hope in tomorrow because you have hope in him. He wants you to be able to enjoy life because you recognize that it is all a gift and you are blessed. That's the difference. Eat, drink, and be merry, for I am blessed. That's how God wants you to live your life. So with this in mind, we can go back to the two original questions that we got to ask. And we're going to answer these questions and then we'll close. So the first question was, what good is wealth? What good is wealth? What is the purpose and role of wealth in your life? Based on what he teaches here and what we learn about this idea of enjoying life, well, we can understand the purpose of wealth. And you can disagree with it, we can talk about it. But the purpose and role of wealth in your life is that wealth is the means to enjoy life under the blessing of God. That's the purpose of your money. That is the purpose of your money, to enjoy life under the blessing of God. What wealth is not good for is giving you sense of security. Wealth is not given to you to make you feel secure. Wealth is not given to you to give you a sense of value. Wealth is not given to you to feel a sense of peace. Wealth is there so that God is giving you the means to enjoy the life that he has blessed you with. Wealth is not good at giving you security. Wealth is not good at giving you value and status. Wealth is not good at giving you identity. For a moment it may, but that's not what wealth is good for. Wealth is good for being the means for you to enjoy life under the blessing of God. That's it. That's it. I hope you can take time to think about that answer, think about that question, because that will determine how you view money, how you view your relationship to money. And the second question was, I phrase it a little bit differently here, is where is my money? Is it under the sun? Do I manage my money? Do I handle my money in a spiritual way or in a worldly and earthly way? And I think what Jesus taught in Luke chapter 12, verse 20, gives us the best way to understand whether or not we are handling our money in an under-the-sun kind of way or an above-the-sun kind of way. And he teaches us something really important here. In Luke 12, verse 20, we read this. This is what he said. God said to the man, You fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? That question he asked at the end, who's going to get all your money? The assumed answer is that you don't know. You don't know what's going to happen to your money. You don't know. It could be the bank is going to take all your wealth, take all the stuff that you gathered and stored. It could be the government is going to take it all. Or maybe like thieves are going to break in and steal all that stuff. Or maybe wild animals are going to break through your barns and eat all your stuff. You have no idea what's going to happen to your wealth. You have no idea what's going to happen to your wealth. And, and the teaching that I think that we can gain from here, what Jesus is saying here, 
is he wants us to understand a very important truth. That every single one of you, no matter when, at some point in time, you will, and this is going to be scary, you will lose all your money at some point in time. Every single one of you will lose all your money. Hopefully not in life, but in death, you will lose everything. You will lose everything you've built up. So with that in mind, what is Jesus trying to say when it comes to how we are supposed to manage and handle our money? With the reality knowing that at some point in time, it's going to be all gone. I think what Jesus is trying to say, and I'm trying to put it in words that are easy for us to remember. The way we can manage our finances spiritually, to, to manage your money in an above-the-sun kind of way, two things. Number one, grip it loosely. And number two, pass it on intentionally. With the reality that I'm going to lose it all at one point. With the reality that one day it's going to go away from me, that I can't just hoard it and keep it. I can't take it with me to the next life. Knowing that I'm going to go on to the next life and I'm going to leave it behind. I think Jesus is teaching us to grip your money and your wealth loosely. In other words, don't hold on to it tight. Live life with a loose grip on your wealth. And second, pass it on intentionally. Pass it on purposefully. It's going to get passed on. But it's up to you to decide where your money goes and who it goes to. So I think this is what Jesus wants us to understand in Luke chapter 12, verse 20. Don't just hoard all your stuff so that you feel better about your life. No, grip your money loosely. Grip your wealth loosely. Don't hold on to it. Don't hang on to it. Don't hold tight to it. Have a loose grip. And pass it on intentionally. Think about where you want your wealth to go and how you want it to serve, how you want it to be used. I feel like these are simply the two teachings. And the idea is, is if we can grip our money loosely and pass it on intentionally, we will be able to enjoy our lives. We can eat, drink, and be married, not because we're going to die tomorrow, but because we understand that we are blessed. The Lord your God has blessed you. And I feel like one of the, the most practical ways to teach this, and I've said this many times before in church, the most practical ways to manage your money in a spiritual way is by prioritizing your money in this way. Give, save, live. Give, save, live. And I didn't come up with this. I didn't make this up, right? But this is such great advice for how to spiritually manage your money. How do, how, do you, how do you actually grip your money loosely? How do you actually pass it on intentionally? By giving first, saving second, and living off the rest. This is how you avoid living life and managing your money under the sun. Give first, save second, and live on the rest. Give, save, live. Easy way to remember. This is the practical way to be able to use and handle your money in a spiritual way. So the teaching today is really simple from Ecclesiastes chapter 5, 18 to 20. Yes, enjoy your life. You work hard. Enjoy your work. Enjoy your family. Soak it all in, all the goodness. Live in the moment in celebrating and soaking in the blessings because you're blessed. You are blessed, are you not? When you look at your life and you look at things, yeah, you have challenges and issues you're facing, but come on, just take a moment to step back. Are you blessed? 
You are blessed. We are blessed. So why not enjoy the blessings from the Lord? Soak it in. Soak it all in every moment. When we go eat potluck today, this is going to be the most delicious potluck you've ever had. Because you're going to soak it and you're going to be like, man, I'm blessed to eat bibimbap today for lunch. When you hang out with your friends and you talk and you have fun, it's like, man, I'm so blessed to have these friends in my life. You go home and you see your family. Man, I'm so blessed to have these parents. I'm so blessed to have these kids. God wants you to enjoy all of it. Don't get hung up on the other stuff. Don't worry about tomorrow. Yeah, we don't know what's going to happen, but we have hope. We have faith. So that's why we can enjoy the lives you've been given. So simply, we're going to close with that message. God wants you to enjoy your life. He wants you to enjoy everything. He wants you to soak it all in. Because you are blessed. Let's pray. Father in heaven, it's easy to focus on the negatives in our life, God. It's easy to worry, and it's easy to think about all the things that are wrong. It's easy to think about all the things that are going wrong in our lives. But Holy Spirit, I pray that there'd be a shift in our minds and our hearts today. Father, I believe that you've taught us and commanded us to be joyful and to rejoice because we are blessed. God, and I know it's easy to get lost in all the junk in our lives, to think that, you know, our lives are so bad. And, and yeah, you know, there, there are times where we struggle, but Father, I pray that you would lift our eyes and minds above it all and realize, God, that at the end of the day, we are truly blessed. So, Father, help us to enjoy the life you've given us, to enjoy community, to enjoy our families. And, God, I ask, God, that you would help us to enjoy this community and this time of worship and this fellowship that we have today. Thank you for blessing us so much, for being so good and so faithful. In your name we pray. Amen.